It is now time to separate the men from the boys. We welcome you to our elite podcast, the Baseball Elite Podcast, where we turn you into an elite fantasy player. And it's now July and it's it's post-holiday. It is now the time where those who keep at it, where those who keep their nose to the grindstone can emerge victorious. They can at the very least separate themselves from half the field and hopefully finish in like the top four, top three. Of course, Ray, our job here is to uh, make sure they finish in the top one. That's that's what everybody wants. You you and I have had this discussion. A lot of people say it's first place or nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I are not of that belief. You and I both love just finishing fourth if it if it means we crawled up from like ninth place at some point. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we know how this goes. And unfortunately, how this goes is not everyone can win. I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, that's just the, you could have a great season. Team just doesn't come through. Uh, you could have a couple of bad breaks. Maybe you're in a head-to-head league. Maybe you're you know you're down to that final week of the season. So and so blows their arm out. Doesn't make the start. You know, it's it's one of those things. Maybe your players played very well, but the numbers weren't there. You know, we see this a lot too, right? Like guys, you look at the numbers and you're like, how the heck is this guy as bad as he is? He should be so much better. So you did a good thing picking the player. Just the results weren't there. Well, and now we're about halfway through the season. In fact, a lot of teams have crossed over the 81 games played um, level. So uh, we're, we're into the second half, believe it or not. And uh, we hope you had a good first half. Uh, like we said, the last three months, this is where you can separate yourself. So uh, let's get into it. We always like to fire things up with our starting nine. It's our batting order one through nine of what we're going to hit you with on this edition of the podcast. Uh, we will start by wishing a happy birthday to a guy who... And, and pardon my excitement here, because I know Ray's going to roll his eyes when I say that. Uh, today, he's celebrating a birthday, and he also might be celebrating one of the greatest, if not the greatest, fantasy season in fantasy baseball history. Is it possible? Uh, we'll tell you who that man is. We'll talk about it in the leadoff spot. All-star rosters were announced. Uh, we got the starters last week. We got the reserves on Sunday. We'll take a look at the few of the names uh, who made the reserve list, even the starting list, and we'll ask the question, how in the heck did they get there? in 2021 in the three hole who in the heck is that imposter trying to pass off as Garrett Cole uh boy Garrett Cole just an awful June it continued on Sunday we'll discuss some of his issues we'll take a look at Joe Ross of the Washington Nationals another good effort from the young right-hander is he now a guy you're paying attention to after all these years of disappointment in the five hole we'll hit you with some news and notes we got some injuries but also uh the issue of a Chapman man he is crumbling as we arrive at the all-star break in the six hole, we'll take a look at Rob Povia's article, the weekly planner. We'll give you some of the highlights there. We'll check a look at the waiver wire results from our Sirius XM host league in the seven hole random reference at eight. And then we'll finish things off with our stamp of approval at nine. Uh, Ray, we begin at the top of the order. And as I said, happy birthday on this July 5th. Um, he is turning 27 today. Uh, to a man who was born on this date back in 1994 in Oshu, Japan. Now I think everybody knows who we're talking about. Happy birthday to Shohei Itani. And Ray, let's just say the dude should be having the happiest of happy birthdays. He's like, every time I hear his name, he's breaking some sort of record. You know, yesterday he gets named to the all-star team as a pitcher and a hitter. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> are you kidding, Ray? Did, did that really just happen? Um, we say it every week, I think on this podcast, but I'm going to say it again. This is amazing what he's done. I would have never expected it to be this good. I think it's greater than almost everybody thought it would for, for Otani this year. Yeah. I mean, you could 
you could make one quibble, I think, and say that, well, his pitching has been pretty good. You know, there's been some outings where he struggled and the walks and all. like you could you could pick away at it a little bit. But that's really being pretty fine with the old comb there. You know, I mean, the, the, this performance is just phenomenal across the board. And I, I'm a little surprised he made the, the all-star team, quote unquote, as a pitcher. I mean, a walk rate over five per nine innings, a whip of one, two, seven. Like, these are not good numbers. I mean, he's dominant. You know, the strikeouts are there and all of that. But uh, the story that is Otani, the overall talent that is Otani, um, maybe something we've never seen before. Well, and, and I'm going to give him a, a big happy birthday present, Ray. And, and like I said, Ray's going to roll his eyes at this. But considering what he does on both sides, Ray, and considering like he might be, just as a hitter, the best fantasy hitter going in baseball, um, are we in the midst, and we're halfway through, are we in the midst of what you could term like one of the greatest fantasy baseball seasons we've ever seen? When, when you look at the excellence of hitting, I mean, this guy's got a slugging percentage over 700. Seriously, 700. And then, Ray, you throw in the pitching. Now, I, I know a lot of leagues have separated him into two players, but there are still leagues out there where he's you know, one player. It's magical. And, and how silly is my statement to say that we could be watching one of the greatest, you know, top three, top five fantasy seasons of all time? Is that just bunk? No, it's not. And, you know, if you look at it, I mean, because if – if you just look at his performance, and and we do, and I wrote an article last week at Fantasy Guru, right? Called it the double up, which is the completely scientific. Let's take the guy's numbers and double them because it's half the season. <laughs> I mean, if we do that with Otani on offense, we're basically talking about a player that's on the cusp of going 60-25. 60-25. Oh, and by the way, you know, he's going to have 120 RBIs, 120 runs scored. Like, this is going to be an, an epic all-time you know, fantasy season, if he keeps anything remotely close to this pace, then you start talking about the pitching side of things. And I always used to, to look back and think, you know, who is this guy? Who is that guy? When you start talking about a player making the all-star team on both sides, maybe a little bit of it, again, it's a little bit of inflation, maybe on the pitching side and all Maybe Okay, fine. The hitting side, I think is completely legit, but you know, we're, we're talking about a pitcher with 12 and a half strikeouts per nine innings. I mean, that's one of the great, that'll be one of the greatest strikeout rates we've ever seen from a starting pitcher. When you start talking about the dominance that he brings as a pitcher, you can, you know, start drawing a, a, a portrait that this is a really good fantasy player. When you add that to the greatness of the bat, I mean, it's just from guys are hitting 190 against him. I mean, this is, you know, as a pitcher, and then he goes out and does that stuff offensively. Again, I think that the answer to the question comes down to how you can utilize Otani. If you have Otani hitter pitcher, and you have the ability to manage your lineup on a daily basis, I think it's growing increasingly difficult to not consider, at least this half season, as one of the greatest half seasons in the history of fantasy baseball. You you mentioned the 60-25. I'm guessing, and maybe you've looked this up, is, is Sosa back in 98, is he of the guys who've hit 60 home runs, did he have the most stolen bases? It's not a huge crew of 60 home run hitters, but I think he had 18 in 98 i'm guessing nobody's ever topped that in a 60 home run season i don't know the answer to that off the hand i'm looking it up as we talk i have not looked it up i'll be able to uh, then throw in an article today kyle over at Fantasy yeah Twitter, yeah so. well and and you look at that 98 season and we all know the story there we know what was going on but right. i mean that dude had 158 ribbies 134 runs scored uh like i said the 66 homers the 18 solo bases like that was magical that was great but again 
there was no pitching helping this. Now, Ray with Otani, I've, I've looked at him all season. And it's like, well, gosh, can, you know, can he do it? 162. I will say halfway through Ray, I'm not seeing anywhere down. Like there's a, the hitting has become better for Shohei Otani. Um, the pitching is fine. I mean, the last time out was bad mm-hmm. for Otani. When you look at last week, he, he ran into some trouble there. And and overall, when you when you stack up pitching in fantasy baseball, I don't know that he really leaps off. He's got three wins. I mean, so it's it's not like he's killing it for you in fantasy. He doesn't have quite the quantity. I mean, right now, 12 starts, 60 innings. So it's about five innings to start, which makes total sense, Ray, because it, that is one thing to keep an eye on as we talk about the greatness of Otani. Honestly, Ray, you're probably looking at like 110 innings max this year. Does that does that make sense to you? And I, I I can see the Angels so far out of it by September that they don't want to push them to 120, 130. I mean, I, I can't imagine there's any thought in the Angels front office that we want to get this guy and just let him loose in September if they're already finished. It's you know he did he he, he threw two innings last year. I, yeah. You got to understand that we're probably into the last 50 innings of the year with Shohei Atani. Yeah, he's still, he threw the two inning winning in two thirds last year. And as I mentioned, the walks, there's been outings where he's, you know, he's gone out there and he's really struggled to, you know, throw a strike, you know, and that that's that's something to think about. You know, last time out, he got obliterated by the, 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 the Yankees, you know, I mean, and so I agree with you. I think that expecting him to do a double up with the innings pitched is pushing it. I, I, I would be surprised if that happened. Uh, you have to, and this is stuff we started, I've been tra- talking to people in the chat room about this over at fantasyguru.com, you know, and they're, they're asking about, because the rankings just came out on July 1st, the updated rankings and talking about players and stuff. And I'm like, look, I tried to factor in my thoughts on workloads. I tried to factor in my thoughts on, you know, is this guy going to get traded, lose a role? Who's going to gain a role? But this stuff is all kind of nebulous. I don't think it's, a, it's, it's, it's out of line though, to suggest that Otani is more than halfway toward whatever innings pitch totally is going to have this season. Um, you're talking about the, the team, and, and like you rightly said, I mean, they're barely 500 right now, barring something amazing. You know, they're, they're not really going to be pushing for the playoff spot. So, yeah, I think that, you know, the pitching part is going to slow. I don't know how much the hitting part's going to slow, by the way. Um, that is the record uh, for steals okay. in a 60 home run season by Sosa. Number two is Barry Bonds with 13. Barry Bonds, by the way, the all-time home run leader. Oh, one, come on. One I knew you were going to mention Barry Bonds. Had to mention had Barry. To had to mention Barry Bonds. He was number two <laughs> on the list with 13 steals. Um, but, yeah, so the, what, he is, what he is doing as a pitcher is likely to slow. It's hard to think that he keeps everything up as a hitter, too. But, I don't, you know, he doesn't have to do either one of those things to the level he did in the first half to still be considered one of the greatest seasons ever in fantasy. Well, and, and, and with the batted ball stuff, Ray, some of this is, is wild. You know, the, the home run percentage is 9.8. The hard hit percentage is over 57%. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 35% of his batted balls have been fly balls, mm-hmm. which, you know, a guy with 31 homers, you know, they, there's just stuff here, Ray. And I guess this just speaks to the greatness. Obviously, the stolen bases in the day and age we're at. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. And even if he has a big second half slump, it's, it's probably, Ray, I, I wouldn't have thought, over 30 home runs coming into the year. Seriously. I, I, I probably wouldn't have been there with Otani. And here we are at 31. Like he could fail to hit a home run the rest of the season. And I'd still say, wow, 31 home runs. Like <laughs> that's, that's how silly this first half has been for him. It's, it's beyond. And maybe I was on the low end of expectations and, and I know he had power, but 
you know, we, we just didn't necessarily expect this kind of explosion. This is in 275 at bats. It's, it's remarkable to see him at 31 homers. So, so that has already, you know, taken my preseason sheet and ripped it up and torn it to shreds. It's, you know, he's already surpassed, even if he does nothing the rest of the way. In the Sirius XM host league that we talk about on Mondays, we go through the, the waiver wire. Uh, that's a 12 team league, the smallest one I'm in this year. Um, in with the 143rd pick in that draft, Jeff Manns and I took Shohei Otani, second to last pick of the 12th round. So that, that sh- I mean, again, th- those are the people on Sirius, the people that, you know, prognosticate for a living. And he almost lasted the 13th round. Now it's just hitter, right? It's not the full player, it's just the hitter. Um, but I think the, that that just shows you everyone really is surprised. And it's not just, there's a twofold thing going on with the Tony. It's not just that you're surprised at the levels of his production because yeah, any sane person that would have said this, I would have slapped him in the face of the backhand. <laughs> like this is not sane, but it's not just the levels of production. It's the playing time. Yeah. Cause that's you. And I remember one of the big things you had, and I, I couldn't disagree with you is that look, this guy might hit three or four times a week. Like that's just all you're going to get. And they have rolled him out there as an everyday player, as an offensive guy. And that yeah, they're, is, they're putting him out before yeah. pitching, after pitching, yeah. during pitching. That, that, that's what's made such a difference. And you're, you're totally right. I, I missed it. Didn't expect it. Um, and I'm stunned how the angels and, and, and I think about that, Ray, and maybe I, I revert back to our discussion on pitching. I don't know. Maybe they let them go 135 innings. Who the hell knows? But it's like, cause I was wrong on the hitting time. It's, it's certainly there. The guy's an everyday player in the lineup. Yeah, I wasn't trying to call you out because I oh, no. I, hey, yeah, you yeah. should call me out. No, no. Um, oh, there's other things I can call <laughs> you out for go. No, that, I mean, it, it, that was how that they, they had utilized him to date was being very cautious. Everyone, I think, everyone thought that too, even the optimistic people. Because, I mean, again, even the optimistic people, look, if you look at, you know, you go to Fangraphs, they've got uh, some projection models there. Zips had him with 15 home runs and 65 games played. Steamer <laughs> had him with 71 games played and 20 home runs. The Bat had him with 69 games played and 22 home runs. He's passed all those numbers at the midpoint. I mean, what he has done broke projection models. Because everyone was looking at it in the way that they had treated him to date, looking at him coming back from the arm issues. all So it's not just the performance, it's the playing time as well. And when you get the combination, we talk about it all the time, you get the combination of talent, you get the combination of opportunity, and they come together, great things can happen sometimes. Well, it's certainly not the uh, first time we've talked about Otani. I can guarantee it won't be the last time that we talk about Otani here on this podcast. But he had another home run uh, the other day. He's got a birthday today. Uh, happy birthday to Shohei and happy uh, birthday. Heck, happy fantasy baseball season to anybody who drafted him. It's <laughs> it's otherworldly right now with the home runs, the stolen bases, maybe even the pitching that you're getting from Otani. Um, as noted, Otani uh, named to the All-Star game as both the DH and a pitcher. Um, and Joe Madden says he'll, he'll be open to allowing Otani to pitch in that game. So that could be exciting coming up here in about a week. As we go to the two spot, Ray, the uh, remainder of the all-star rosters were announced on Sunday. We got the starters last week. Um, you know, th- there's some names on there and, and sometimes we look at it in July and say, well, yeah, he's supposed to be there. That, that guy's been good all season. But if we rewind the clock back to March and I told you these guys were going to be on the all-star team, you might be surprised. And you know, I look at the American League and Kyle Gibson's on there. Nathan Eovaldi, you say Kikuchi. Marcus Simeon has had a massive rebound this year. He's starting. Tasker Hernandez is starting. Who would have called for those two Blue Jays to be starters? Um, Adolis Garcia out of nowhere 
is in this all-star game. Cedric Mullins is in this all-star game. I, I think Mullins should have actually been a starter in this game. Now the vote didn't go his way, but I think his numbers kind of weren't starting. Uh, Ray, as you look at those AL guys, and, and there may be some other names on that list, but I, I kind of jumped on Evaldi, Gibson, Kikuchi, Simeon, Hernandez, uh, Mullins, and Garcia. Um, who's the biggest surprise there that that here we are three months later and this guy's actually a Major League Baseball All-Star? I think it has to be Cedric Mullins. Um, I, I grabbed Mullins in one league because I had an injury. I wish I would have grabbed him in all of them now. Um, grabbed him in one because I had an injury and I just needed a guy that I thought, ah, you know, this guy's a you know, 10, 12 home run guy, 10, 12 steel guy. Maybe it's 270. Okay, cool. And that's not just my expectation. That was everyone's expectation. You know, talk about a guy breaking the projection models. Um, you know, I look at those same projection models at fan graphs. You know, they all had him playing 75 games and hitting 260. So, you know, what he has done has just been phenomenal. He's, he's almost, he's on the cusp of a 30-30 pace. And he's hitting over 300. Like this, this, you don't do that. You don't even have a breakout season like that unless you're great, right? That's not, that's not a season. Like sometimes guys hit 300 or they'll steal 30 bases or they'll hit 30 home runs. You don't do all three in the same season unless you're a great player. Like there's not many guys in the history of this game that have had a 330, 30 season. And then the next year hit 210 with four home runs like that. That doesn't happen. So he has emerged and he's playing every day and he's over a hundred hits and he's getting on base. He's got a 385 on base percentage. His slugging percentage is 932. Everywhere you look with Cedric Mullins, the production in the real world and in the fantasy world, Kyle, says elite, and I'm shocked. Well, well staying with these same names in the American League, um, who's the worry in the second half? I think it was last week on this show, um, you didn't have many nice things to say about Kyle Gibson. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> is anyone, Kyle? Yeah, well, do you have fewer nice things to say about Nathan Eovaldi or one of these other guys? Like, who's the who's the worry of these AL guys in the second half? I think I think everyone that has Gibson is worried. So I don't. I'm not. You know, that I think everyone that has Eovaldi that has a brain is worried because the guy's always dealing with physical things. I think the player that I'm most concerned with, not necessarily because his production is going to be the worst, but the, that I'm most concerned with is Adolis Garcia. Because I think people have just booked him as a star. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, his June, he hit 242 with four home runs and a steal. Like, eh, you know, and it, we, we tend to do this thing where we look at the overall numbers and they're tremendous. We look at the expectation and they were zero. Mm -hmm. But his, you know, he had a 716 OPS there. And, you know, I mean, over, over his last, what, 28 games played or whatever it is, his OPS is like 701. Like, it's, eesh. So I think that he's probably the guy, because I think where the case of Eovaldi and Gibson, it's so obvious that there should be concern. Whereas with Garcia, people just kind of booked him as a guy that's going to have this massive season, and they may not be paying as close attention to some of the struggles he's having, including an ever-increasing strikeout rate. Yeah, and I think Garcia just falls into a realm of so many guys in, in this season and probably in future seasons. They're streaky. They're always going to be streaky. Um, you know, we're seeing it with Kyle Schwarber and unfortunately his streak has come to an end. We'll talk about it later with the injury, but I, I mean, guys can just go through a month where they can't be, they can't be retired. And, and Garcia had that month. I mean, from what was it early May to the month of June, he was unstoppable. As you just noted, June was a totally different story. Who knows what July brings, you know, but for a guy who's never done it over the course of the season, I think the worries about, okay, what truly is this guy? Um, you know, I keep going back to Josh Bell constantly. Josh Bell had a first half like Adolis Garcia's having. You know, that was, what, two, three years ago? And Josh Bell hasn't seen that level of play since. 
So, you know, All-Stars can have a good three months. Heck, they can have a good month and a half. It's enough to get you into an All-Star game. But but the true challenge is doing it over the course of the year. And obviously, Garcia and some of these other guys have never done that. Mullins, you know, we've, we've never seen this over a full year. So we'll, we'll see what the challenge uh, is, how it's handled, uh, how it's accepted, and how uh, they succeed with that challenge. Now, let's go to the NL, Ray. Uh, names here. I mean, my gosh, we have a couple of pirates, Adam Frazier and Brian Reynolds. Uh, Jake Cronenworth was named to the uh, Midsummer's Classic. Eduardo Escobar, Brandon Crawford, back in the good graces of so many. And got to throw out Erman Marquez, a Rockies pitcher, making the All-Star game. So biggest surprise of these NL guys, Ray, um, who takes the cake there? All of them. Like, just, <laughs> like that, if I... <laughs> I mean, think about that. Hey, Kyle Ray, got a question for you. I just did my draft, and this is what I got. We'd laugh at the guy. Yeah, these are my last six picks. Yeah. Yeah, Cronenworth, Reynolds, Escobar, Crawford, Marquez. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, so um, I'll do the hometown guy because, we again, I just released the rankings over at fantasyguru.com. I do that every month at the first of the month. We do all the players. The whole rankings takes me days to do it. Um, Brandon Crawford, because he was so hard to – you know, it's so hard to put a handle on because someone asked me a question it was a really good question like Glaber Torres or Brandon Crawford the rest of the way. And it's like on the surface, it's Glaber Torres going away. Then you look at the production and it's like, well, it's Brandon Crawford going away. And there's this, you know, Brandon Crawford is the quintessential. A lot of these, a lot of these guys on this list are actually the quintessential though, because it's been a decade of it. You don't draft them. You pick them up on May 10th. You plan for two months while you got that injury, you drop him and you never look back, right? He's just, yeah. just a guy. He pl- You know he's going to play every day. The counting categories, there's a little bit there. Fine, okay. He's got. He's almost got a career best in home runs. He's got the second most home runs he's ever hit at half a season. He's on pace to go 30-100, okay? This guy has never gone 20. Break. Brandon Crawford, 30-100. Yes. 30-100. Brandon Crawford, 30-100. Brandon Crawford, <laughs> let me keep saying this over and over. Brandon Crawford is a 15-65 guy, and he's on pace to go 30-100. <laughs> and, you know, he, he has been tremendous, okay? He changes swing up and all that. But when you, when you dig a little deeper, he's still hitting 264, which, you know, you would hope – that that number would be higher. It, it went up the last week, but it, it's not appreciably different from his career levels, right? You start looking deeper into the numbers, and it's like, yeah, he's he's hitting the ball in the air a little bit more, but you know, is he is he going to set a career best in home run to fly ball ratio by doubling his career average? And eh. you know, I just I look at this, and there's not enough support here for the power. And given the fact that the batting average again is in the two sixties right now, I think people are playing with house money and. I just hopefully hopefully they realize that. Kyle. Well, and, and so you call him the surprise. Is he also the biggest worry of this crew? Or is, is there another guy where you say, oh, that's kind of smoke and mirrors with their first half? Yeah, well, I'm going to say he's the biggest surprise. The biggest concern, hmm, it's probably not fair, but I'll say Adam Frazier. And before everyone goes, Adam, Adam Frazier, Kyle's heard me mention his name 5,000 times over the last six years, I'm sure, because I've always <laughs> said, eh, I kind of like Adam Frazier. Um, his season, as great as it has been, is really it's driven by runs scored and batting average. The run scored pace is obviously directly linked to his batting average. He is a 275 hitter who's hitting 321. Okay, he's a 275 hitter. Everyone knows that we've seen it. Okay, his exit velocity this year is below his career mark. His hard hit rate is one percent above, but it's 27 percent. It's awful. His barrel rate of 1.4% is embarrassing. 
So we have a player who's, if you look at the total game here, there's really no difference than normal, but his batting this average is, is up 50 points. Yeah, this is hitting them where they ain't yes. and doing it for three months. That's yes. what it is. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and, and he's hitting 50 points higher than his norm. And the only thing you can say is he's dropped the strikeout rate 3%. I mean, like that doesn't explain it. So I think he's the biggest concern because he doesn't have the ability like some of these other players to do other things to overcome his batting average. He is, his value is 80% of his, his batting average, right? And so if he starts hitting 275 the rest of the way, he could still set a career best in batting average. But if he's hitting 275 the rest of the way, it's on base percentage drops. His run scored rate drops. He has no power. He doesn't drive in runs. He doesn't steal bases. He's a pretty hollow player at that point. Yeah, and and there are people who probably own Adam Frazier, and they, they might look up and say, oh, he made an all-star team? Like, they, they've been experiencing Adam Frazier all year, and I bet he's kind of underappreciated because, Ray, we've talked about it for years, or at least I have. Runs don't matter to people. No one mm-hmm. cares. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we want home runs. We want ribbies. Even in fantasy, like, that play, that's very easy, but – Runs don't play. And even with the batting average as high as it is, you know, if, if you go through five straight days of a guy going, you know, one for three, one for four, one for three, two for five, you know, it doesn't really register. You're not seeing anything big from Adam Frazier. There's never a game where he hits two home runs and drives in five. Right. That, that never happens. So even Adam Frazier on his own fantasy teams, is probably underappreciated right now. Yeah. And there are two other things that deserve to be mentioned. You're totally right. Two other things deserve to be mentioned. He's likely to be traded, very possible. And a guy is performing this well, you think, well, he'll just keep doing that. Will he keep doing that? New pressure, new situation, new ballpark. Will he play every day on his new team? Will they make him more of a platoon guy? That's something to think about. And then, you know, I I did the old double up thing earlier when we were talking about performances to date. Let's do a little something different but similar in that let's go back to the start of last season. He's been terrific this year. He was atrocious last year. Guess what? His last 140 games, he's batting 285. So, you know, we can play the sample size game here with him too, because last year was wrong. This year was wrong. So yeah. And, and again, this is, he's always been a guy I hoped would do something like this. So I feel bad saying, you know, but there's just not enough supporting data to make me think it's going to continue. All-star game will uh, be next Tuesday in Denver, Colorado. Um, all these guys uh, should be there as long as they stay healthy this week and make it out to Denver. Uh, Jake DeGrom, of course, was named to this team, but uh, he has already said he's unlikely to pitch in the game, which <laughs> I get it. It makes sense, but it's just more of the same of uh, Jake DeGrom. We've got to really protect this guy in this uh, superstar fantastic season. Let's move to the three spot in our starting nine. And uh, Ray, it's another all-star we're going to talk about. Um, another guy in New York we're going to talk about. It's Garrett Cole. Man, oh, man, um, I, I own him in a league, Ray, and I think you have to listen to me every time he's pitching, especially over the last month. <laughs> right. Getting tired of this. I, I hate when I got a guy I drafted, you know, first round, second round. He was actually a protection in that league. And um, you get greedy. You want these guys to be studs every single time out. And I know even going into the season, Garrett Cole was not going to go 32 for 30, 32 when it comes to pitching outings. He's not going to be great every time out. I guess the problem is, Ray, that after Sunday's um, issues against the Mets, you've got a guy that since the start of June has made six starts. And, Ray, they're just nothing like Garrett Cole. It's it's six straight starts of mediocre Garrett Cole, uh, probably a bad Garrett Cole. Um, The hits are up. uh, The Ks are down. The home runs are sky high. ERA's 525 since the start of June. 
This is getting ugly for Garrett Cole. What 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 is a man to do? What am I to do with Garrett Cole? I can't tell a man what to do, Kyle. I can tell you <laughs> what to do. Uh, I think there's multiple things obviously going on. I'll start with something that's not as obvious before we get into the obvious. Um, if you look at his performance, it's again sample size, right? He was terrible in June based upon expectations. If you look at his performance to date, strikeout rate's the same as last year. The walk rate's actually better than last year. The home run rate is better than last year. The whip is exactly the same as last year. There's a lot of similarities to his overall performance last year. Now, we have something, obviously, elephant in the room on top of that. We've got baseball changing things up. We have his deer-in-the-headlights performance in front of the press, signifying that, of course, he was cheating. And then the performance is like, what the hell's happened? Some of this, I think, is just, again, like you said, it's just natural regression. Okay, I mean, he, if, if you came into the season and said, you know, he's going to give you a 290 array, a .96 whip, and strike out 275 guys, come on, shut up. Yeah, uh, shut yeah, up. You're, you're totally right. But, you know? man, the but, last five weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but June was messy. And, again, this is it. We, we called him out, you and I, when, when he did that press conference. He's like, uh, like, it was – I mean, it was it was painful. And, and I got to admit, I saw that and I started to get nervous about Garrett Cole because I mentally, where is this guy at? I don't know. Like, is this guy and we've heard, you know, Garrett Richards apparently is like on the, the cusp of crying every day because he can't pitch without spider tack. Like <laughs> it, it, his, he, it's like he doesn't know how, I have the last nine years. You don't know how to you throw 94 miles an hour. Do what do you mean? So some of these guys, I think mentally it's been a challenge. And, and you look uh-huh. at the obvious with Garrett Cole. And, you know, his slider spin rates, you know, it's 2,700, you know, coming into June. And then on a per-start basis, it's 2,660, 2,620, 2,503, 2,443. Then it jumped back up to 2,560. Then it was back down to 2,402. He's legit. And just for the, the, you know, for those who don't pay a lot of attention to the spin rates, maybe you are lately, but. Ray, when you see the average at 2,700 and now you're seeing games in the 2,400s, that's, that's significant. Yes. That's it. Like if you see a guy lose 25 or lose 40, even okay, whatever. But we're now talking 300 on the pitch. And and that, I mean, that makes the pitch. Those, those 300 extra revolutions make the pitch for, for a guy like Cole. Absolutely. And you know, a a variance of up to about a hundred in a game is not, there's nothing to really worry about as long as the other stuff's good. Right. That happens guys. We talk about it all the time. No, like you said, he's not going to take the mound 32 times and have his best stuff. It's just not, but when it's 300, there's a problem. And the problem isn't health because the velocity is there. The problem is the sticky stuff. It, it, it's, it, you can't draw another conclusion. So <laughs> n- now we, we get into the area with Garrett Richards, who you know, is inventing pitches because, again, he doesn't know how to pitch without cheating. Where does Garrett Cole go? He still throws hard. He still misses bats. He still, you know, those things are still happening. Where does he go now? He has to change how he attacks batters. And I, I anticipate he will adjust. And there's no reason to think he won't adjust. I mean, the stuff is still tremendous. But if that slider ain't what it once was, and even the fastball doesn't quite get the ride it had before, you know, it's like losing a little velocity, a little RPM there, a little the giddy up at the end. You know, it, it takes him from being super elite to maybe elite. And I, I, I think that we can't overreact to the last month, which is easy to do given everything. I think that would be a mistake. But this is something that we talked about. There will be an adjustment period on both sides. And I think it's too early to draw a conclusion from what we've seen today. Well, and you talk about his importance. The Yankees are now eight and nine in his 17 starts. Um, you know, you go back 
you know, three, four years ago with Houston, it was 24 and eight in his starts. Um, his last year in Houston, 26 and seven in his starts. Um, last season with the Yankees, he was eight and four. That's part of this issue, Ray, is usually Garrett Cole's going seven innings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yesterday was, you know, three and a third innings. It was his shortest start, I think, in forever. Um, so it's not like I'm sitting here and saying, oh, this guy can't go seven. I think he still can, but he's not right now. And, and this Yankees team, they got a lot of issues, but one of them is, is they can't win games that Garrett Cole is starting. You're supposed to, whether he gets the win or not, the team is supposed to win like 70% of the games that Garrett Cole is starting. And right now they're under 500. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that goes a long way to explaining their struggles. Cause yeah, like you said, you, you, you know, you have to have, unless you're Jacob DeGrom, you have to have your top guy winning games or the team winning his starts. Uh, you know, and another thing too, I, I didn't mention, I just want to mention it before we move on with him. Uh, you, Cause you did mention the home run and I, I kind of blew past it. Cole has long had issues with the home run. And a lot of it has to do with the way he attacks batters. Right. And so he, he can give up home runs the last four seasons. He's allowed 1.22 home runs per nine innings this year with the beat down he's taken the last month, the number's still 1.29. So it's another one of those situations where, you know, when we talk about this with hitters too, we saw it with Kyle Schwarber, right? Like home runs in particular can come really fast like a couple of bad pitches, a couple of nice swings, you know, and then that number all of a sudden goes bananas. Cole gets a, gets a lot of balls uh, in the air. Okay. He throws a lot of high fastballs. If guys can get under that, you know, the home runs, it can be an issue, but even though it's been really heavily loaded of late, his overall pace there in the home run column is very similar to normal. And in fact, his fly ball rate right now is lower than it's been the last three years. So I think it's Mm. all, again, it's a, it's a con, congruence of eight different things that make it look like Garrett Cole has sunk right now. I just don't want to jump to that conclusion. doesn't help that he pitches for New York. So, you know, if you, if you throw him in Detroit, no one really cares, but if you throw him in New York, people do care Uh, that home run thing. Of course, something also that Max Scherzer deals with Um, in terms of what to do with Cole. I mean, the advice is just hold, you you know, hold and pray because trading Garrett Cole now is just dumb. You know, at this point, when, when things are bad, when he's coming off the start like he had against the Mets, it's, it's just not a, a move to make. Uh, trading for Garrett Cole, brilliant, but you got to find that dumb guy who owns Garrett Cole. So don't know if you're doing much of anything in terms of taking this advice and acting upon it. Now, as we move along, Ray, let's talk about a pitcher um, who, who's kind of looking more like Garrett Cole. I guess these guys are now merging. I kid, I kid. But our player profile in the four hole is Joe Ross and... Ray, I bring up Joe Ross because on Sunday it was an 11 strikeout effort from Joe Ross. Six and two thirds inning is against the Dodgers. Now he did not win the game. Um, and for the season, he's five and eight. But Ray, I at least wanted to give a shout out to Joe Ross, who actually over the last month plus has had four or five good outings. Um, now the wins haven't necessarily followed, but you're not talking about a guy with an ERA sitting closer to four. I think the K's are up ever so slightly. We've been waiting around on this guy. It seems like forever. I don't know if it's ever going to click, but he is a guy that if he's on waiver wires right now, everybody's looking for pitching. I mean, the worst thing in the world is not to add Joe Ross and and maybe pick and choose your moments, but it's been pretty good over the last month or so. Unlike Garrett Cole. Yeah. And we'll talk about that a little later in the podcast. I did add Joe Ross in the series XM post league. Thousand uh, dollar budget, twenty two bucks. So it's one of those things where it's like That's everyone a steal, Ray. I, well, if it would have been a steal if it was a month ago, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was good price given what we're seeing now. I, I mean, I think the and I've always liked Ross. He's another one of the guys, kind of like Adam Frazier. I've always liked Ross, but it's like you get lost in the shuffle when it's been four years and you know. 
The issue with Ross is obvious if you look at it for any time. He opted out last year, didn't pitch. So he had zero innings pitched last year. 2019, he threw like 105 innings. 2018, he threw 40. How many innings is this guy going to throw? That's 150. He's almost at 90 right now. Yeah, that's 150 innings in three years heading into this season. Okay, including last year where he didn't play. And, you know, we don't know. I don't know. Did he go and train the whole time away? Did he go sit on his couch? I, I don't know. So I physically, like, how is this guy possibly going to be able to make 30 starts and throw 160 innings? I, I just don't know. And I think that's been a little bit of the reluctance from everyone with him because we all have this feeling like, well, the performance is good, but, and then the, the health concern innings workload part. But in terms of his actual performance, about the only thing that really stands out in the true negative sense with him is also the home run. Kind of, it's like you said, the same thing with Garrett Cole. Mm-hmm. Um, he he's given up a lot of home runs, you know, one and a half per nine innings. He's had three, this will be his third season where the number's that high. If it continues at one point in time, um, he got the ball down a lot better. He generated much more ground balls at the start of his career than he does now, but you know, he's pitching well, he's giving you a strike out an inning. Most of the times out there, he's not walking guys. He's thrown three straight quality starts. He's done a quality start in four or five games. He is pitching very well right now. Yeah, K's are up, walks are down. That's usually a good place to start. Um, you know, he's kind of in the midst of his best season. I, I guess you could say he could go back to 16, but it was 19 starts. It's up to 16 starts right now. Um, he is one of those guys. This isn't to say, oh, he's going to become something. Watch him take off. In the, no, it's, it's one of those guys that we're all looking for because I think everybody's hurting for pitching depth. You know, everybody's hurting to find guys. And, and that's why I said, great move by you, Ray. You got him for 2%. Yeah. You know, it, it, and so for 2%, if you can make do, and, and really you get, let's say you keep him for a month, he makes five starts. If, you know, maybe you get two good starts out of him. Maybe you miss a good start. Maybe you get a bad start here. But honestly, for 2% of your budget to get two good starts out of a guy, at least he's on the field, you know? <laughs> I don't know what your circumstances are with your staff, but... Right. It's these minor moves that they do kind of affect the bottom line, not dramatically, but if you make enough of these, you study enough things, you're on top of it, you're working the waiver wire, all of that. These are the little things, Ray, that can add up to sometimes improving that team to the top of the heap. Yeah, you you have to, you, like we've said many times here on the podcast, you got to keep grinding. Uh, in that league, Madison Bumgarner started horrible, then was great, lost Bumgarner to the injured list, lost John Means, who was rolling along to the injured list. Steven Strasburg's never got going. He's been on the injured list, like, seems like a whole season. So we needed an arm. Yeah. And, you know, so if that, if he, if he, like you said, if he gives me five starts at the level that he's at right now, I'm happy, right? If it's 10, I'm doing cartwheels. Um, but yeah, the, the, and I've said this so many times in podcasts and in articles, I'm telling everyone because I get the question all the time. Oh, my team, my pitching, uh, don't give up. This is the year to not give up because the second half is going to be filled with man- landmines. We're going to see injuries. Mm-hmm. We're going to see shutdowns. We're going to see minor leaguers called up. We're going to see relievers move into the rotation. It's going to be a mess. So keep grinding. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing the same thing in that league with like Ross Stripling, you know, just go out and get Ross Stripling, see what you can get. You know, at least I, I think he's going to be out there every five days yeah. in some role. And I, I got a few of those guys like I, I've been holding on to Gonsolin throughout the year. But, you know, he's a guy that I was just, you know, kind of hoping at some point I'd get innings from. I've been holding on to Weathers all season. He's back up, of course, with the Padres. So you're just trying to get in the innings piecemeal and, and hopefully you get a win here or there. 
and hopefully uh, it's helping uh, you, you raise up in the standings. Let's move to the five spot in our starting nine. Hit you with some news and notes. And first things first, congrats to Blake Snell. His ERA is now under five. Um, <laughs> that shutout four, effort? Yeah, but four shutout innings for yeah. Blake Snell, and then they yanked him. But 499 race, so he made it to the break with a sub five ERA. I'll give it to him. Yeah, that's kind, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Wait, I had to pick on Blake Snell. Hey, uh, Blake Snell's future teammate, C.J. Abrams, um, Ray, one of the top prospects in baseball. There was a pretty decent chance I think we we're going to see him at some point here in the second half of the Padres. Uh, people have been holding on to him. I know in fantasy leagues, done for the year, broken tibia, also an MCL. So uh, that's one of those. If you've been stashing C.J. Abrams, you can pretty well dump him and, and move on. Positive news, no surgery needed. A negative news, as you said, he's done for the rest of the year. So, yeah, unless you're in some kind of keeper setup, time to move on. Yeah, Buster Posey, uh, thumb injury on Sunday, left early. We don't know too much about that, but as a catcher, his age, nearing the All-Star break, don't be stunned if you see him very limited this week. Zach Gallen dealing with a hamstring issue. Hey, at least it's not the arm, so that's good there. Uh, Cincinnati, for those uh, kind of holding on to Lucas Sims or TJ Antoine, uh, both those guys are going to be out for the month pretty well. They're, they're hoping late July for those two guys. Uh, Ray Kyle Schwarber, one, one of the huge storylines over the last month, has been the insane run of Kyle Schwarber. Like, you know, the thing about, I don't know, 12 home runs in 15 games, like this crazy streak he was on. I mean, the only guys in the history of baseball who've ever done that are like, you know, your Sosa's, your Bonds. Um, I think Albert Bell did it at one point. You know, this run of 12 homers in 14 games, whatever it was. But now Kyle Schwarber with a hamstring injury. And Ray, I, I just, I'm not a Kyle Schwarber guy. I don't own him anywhere. I seriously don't. But it, it was fun to watch. It was one of those silly storylines. Like, how long can this go on? Well, I guess it's kind of over with this hamstring injury. Yeah, and it's unfortunate, of course, the timing of it for any player to come down with an injury. But when a guy's in a run like that, which we all know is going to be the greatest run of his career. I mean, like you said, it's historically fantastic to see it ended by health is it's disappointing. It yeah. yeah, it just sucks. And, you know, hopefully but at it's least not... Ray doesn't have to write a letter every day or to or tweet every day about, hey, it can't last. Yeah, right. It'll have to get yelled at by people for being a Debbie Downer. Uh, <laughs> let's hope he's back relatively soon. Did you see a timeline? I didn't see an actual timeline. Nah, yet. I, I think they, they just significant. said some time. You know? <laughs> yeah, they said I, I saw the term significant mentioned multiple yeah. times. So it's, you know, month plus maybe it's it's just sad to see. And you know, he, he gave that huge boost, but like we were just talking about on the pitching front, now you got to do the same thing on the hitting front because you're going to be without him for a while. And there are some whispers that uh, maybe the Yankees might put a roll this Chapman on the IL, and that would kind of be one of those dreamed-up injuries. Um, Chapman's June was worse than Garrett Cole's June. That's how bad it been. And, and yesterday, Ray, he gets booed off the diamond on July 4th in, in New York against the Mets. A, you know, home run, hit a guy, walked a guy, uh, three runs come around. Um, he can't wait to get out of the month of June. I mean, Chapman, and, and that's the craziness, Ray. I mean, literally, it's like an all-time reliever season through two months. You and I are arguing about his Hall of Fame credentials. Uh, Ray, I, I guess you're uh, probably doing the victory laps now because, I mean, uh -huh. my God, you talk about a guy losing it in the month of June to go from utterly unhittable for two months to utterly crap for two, for a month. <laughs> that's what happened to Chapman in June. Yeah, he was on, like you said, he was on pace to have – one of the greatest seasons ever for a reliever. It was happening, sample size. He's now absolutely hideous, sample size. But in, in total, I mean, he's an all-star with a 470 ERA and a 1-4 whip. It's like, ugh. Was he an all-star? I mean, come on. It's yeah, like, I know. It's his last nine times out there, he's, he's only thrown five and two-thirds innings. Think about that, okay? 
five and two thirds innings, he's allowed 14 earned runs. That's way worse than Garrett Cole, like you said. I mean, he's just six strikeouts, nine walks. I mean, it's this disaster. And so, you know, this is this is why every Monday, and I'll be doing it again today, I do the closer grid to update that. Because if you're you're an Aroldis Chapman owner at the moment, you you need to be making plans here because um, there there's something going on. And it, maybe it is just, a, you know, like you said, they shut him down for two weeks, comes back off to the All-Star break, and he's fine and everything. But you need to be looking at, you know, other options in that bullpen because you cannot – have a closer pitching like that. You can't have a guy in the big leagues very long pitching like that. Yeah. Well, I was just going to go there, right? Who is, is it, is it Lois Sega? Is he, he the closer? Is he the next guy up? Chad Green? Yeah. Um, Britain's not back yet. He's still in the IL. He's, I can't yeah. imagine he'd be thrown in there. Yeah. Um, gosh, I guess Green or Lois Sega. Yeah. I've vacillated a little bit with those two guys. Cause again, I put a whole chart up every Monday and do that. Uh, the most recent one last week, I had Chad green as the number two guy. And I, I'll stick with that now ahead of Lois Sega. Um, Chad green is, is a really, really good pitcher. Now he's with the Yankees and he blends in and he doesn't get saves. Okay. You know, he's 30 years old. He's not an all-star, but look at his performance. He is really good. Uh, and this year, the strikeouts are down a little bit, but he's also cut the walks down. He pitches phenomenally well. How many people realize that his career whip is 101? Mm-hmm. That's, you know, how many people realize that he's got a strikeout rate of almost 12 batters per nine innings in his career? Like, really good stuff. I think he could step into that role and have success. Yeah, Chad Green's one of those guys who actually kind of ticks me off because uh, Ray, it was two years ago, I think is, is the year I drafted him. And he was, it was like his worst year. The only time. Yeah. Yeah. The only time he was rolling the first three years, he'd been rolling the last two years, but the year I had him, he couldn't take care of anything. Um, Just four wins. I was like getting him for cheap wins and Mm. never happened. But anyway, maybe he can get some cheap saves here uh, down the stretch. Moving on. Let's get to uh, Rob Povia's weekly uh, planner article. It's up at available fantasyguru.com. It's updated throughout the week. We like to give you some highlights here on a Monday. Uh, first things first, um, no five game week. So uh, everybody should be playing baseball as we go into the all-star break. I had a lot of six games, ton of seven games. So you should be fine there. Um, two start pitchers is always a thing there uh, with Rob's article and Ray, he gives a shout out to a pair of guys, Colby Allard and Tyler McGill. Now, now he admits, you know, these are these are chancy dudes, mm-hmm. Colby Allard and Tyler McGill. But, you know, this goes back to the Joe Ross thing. You're looking for innings. You're looking for for sneaky ways to, to maybe improve your pitching staff. Colby Allard and Tyler McGill, because of two starts this week, uh, might be a couple of those options. Yeah, McGill was someone that I know Vlad Sedler also wrote about in his waiver wire piece. And he had uh, encouraged everyone to make sure they were clicking on the right McGill because certain <laughs> databases have two of them. Um you know, it's, it's tough. If you're in a head to head league, I think, okay, I get it. I understand if you're in a, you know, a, a roto league, like just be cautious, you know, yeah. it's like, cause we're, we're mid season. Like I, it's early for me to be like, just roll the dice. You know, it's like, it's, it's still at that point where I'm a little hesitant, but those names again, like, were mentioned by multiple people, including McGill, multiple folks on staff here. So if people do feel the need, if they're in a head to head, if they need to make up some innings, those are two options. Uh, maybe it's a week for Philadelphia and the White Sox to get rolling. As Rob points out, um, Phillies have like the, the baseball history tour this week. Uh, they go to Wrigley and Fenway. That's a fun week if you're nice. a young guy on the, yeah. on the Phillies roster to get to go to those two places. Both places should play in offense's favor. We'll see. I know today I was like, I mean, Chicago is like 
hot and windy. It's summer, you know, that's, that's, we'll see what Chicago gives us. It's kind of been quiet this year, but that's going to change as it always does in the summer. And for the White Sox, they're not in Chicago. They're on the road, but they go to Minnesota and Baltimore. And as Rob points out in the article, Ray, you know, you look at all these pitching matchups for both Philadelphia and the White Sox and, you know, it's, it's bad pitching they're up against, you know, it's, you know, the rig, it, Cubs have guys, their bullpen's strong, but their starting staff doesn't really scare people. Uh, kind of the same with Baltimore, Minnesota, everything. So, you know, you look at these two teams, the White Sox and the Phillies, hopefully uh, some of those struggling at bats. And, and with the White Sox, it's like, you know, new guys every week that are jumping into that lineup. But maybe they can get good this week against the Twins and the Orioles. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the, the matchups, the matchups matter a lot. They, they just do. And I think, unfortunately, for most people, if you have a bench of, let's say, six players, right, you've got three pitchers, three hitters. There's not a lot of movement you can make unless you're just aggressive on the waiver wire because it's like, well, you know, so I don't that that advice is fantastic advice. I just don't know how actionable it is at times for players in certain setups, but it certainly is actionable if you own players on those rosters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's you know what you don't you just, is that what I'm you know I'm not trying to discount it. Oh I'm no, t- no, I, I yeah, if you own, play, I, I think it comes down to you know the old standby of you have of. Um, you know, do I, do I want to start this guy? Well, man, look at his matchups. Okay. I do. Or, or even as we move to the, to the seven hole Ray, and we check in on that serious XM host league with the waiver bidding, you know, if I kind of see that note about the white Sox seven games, maybe become more interested in a guy like Gavin sheets. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in our host league, you know, sheets went for 16 bucks. Mm-hmm. And again, at that cost, it's kind of like you with, with Joe Ross for 22 bucks. It's like, just give me a good week. You know, get, give me a shot here with Gavin Sheets. He's not going to play all seven games, but he should play a majority of them just because they're so shorthanded. And it sounds silly for a week, but it's like Gavin Sheets, seven games, this matchup. I'll take a shot on Gavin Sheets, who's been pretty good since he was called up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't think Sheets is the answer long term. I wrote about him last <laughs> week, you know, but yeah, he's 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 playing every day. Mercedes is out of the mix. They demoted him. So that even opens up more playing time in the short run. It, he, Sheets has been inarguably productive. So, you know, if, and if you toss in the matchup, then yeah, that is a player that, you know, as a fifth outfielder type, it's got certainly has consideration as a starter this week. You know, elsewhere on that waiver wire, Ray, you finally got your wish. Jeff Mann's finally caved. <laughs> you got to dump your men Mercedes. I l- last week you said uh, you and Jeff were going back and forth and you wanted to get rid of Mercedes and, and Jeff refused, refused, refused. He accused you of playing games with numbers, all this stuff. Yep, I, I guess Je- Jeff had no retort this week when you said, Hey, your men Mercedes is in triple a. I mean, he, he can't really argue that point. Can he? Oh, he did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> which I found interesting too. He's like, well, why is Tony Larusa playing him every day then? I'm like, I, I don't know. I've told you he hasn't hit for two months. Um, so yeah, no, he still he was he didn't go down without a he then blamed Tony LaRusa for being stupid. That was that was the answer to that. But yeah, Mercedes. And you know, let's hope he goes down. Let, let me let me yeah. in this league you let him go. It's a two-catcher yeah. league. Um should everybody be letting him go? Your men Mercedes well, now that he's back in the minors. I mean, honestly, and, and we've talked about this a lot, he shouldn't qualify catcher. He doesn't play, he's not a catcher doesn't play catcher. So, I mean, we got lucky in, in this setup where he qualified at catcher. Um, if you have – the problem with holding Mercedes right now is that he takes up a roster spot for what purpose? Like, is he going to come back and hit 280 with a 25 home run pace? Is he going to be that kind of hitter the rest of the way whenever he gets called back up? Probably not. Are you going to hold the catcher? I mean, you know, you're in a two-catch league, you're going to hold the third catcher. If you're in a one-catch league, you're going to hold the second catcher. I just – I'd rather go add Chad Green. Like we're yeah. talking about here, go at a guy that might get five, eight saves, do something like that. 
go, you know, make a move and, and say, you know what? I think Julio Rodriguez is coming up. I'm going to add him. Go grab Jared Kelnick because someone dropped him. You know, I want to make moves like that. I don't want to hold a, a catcher that even in a best case scenario is just okay. I, I think in almost all instances, it's okay to drop Mercedes. Well, and you drop one catcher for another catcher. Elias Diaz is who you got for six bucks. It's, yeah. And, you know, and that's riding a hot streak. Maybe you get something. From yeah. Him. I mean, he's got four home runs his last six games. Let's go. Let's go. Um, yeah. But I think they're now leaving Colorado. I know. Aren't they? Yeah. I know. But I mean, <laughs> you know, you look at the list, Luis Torrin, Zach Collins. We didn't, we, it's a two catcher league. So we don't exactly have a bunch of superstars on the waiver wire. Um, other notables in that league, and as you might expect, on July 4th, there wasn't a ton of, of bidding, but it, it did take place. Scott Barlow for 24 bucks, uh, Garrett Cooper for 11 Keston Ura, uh, $34. And I, I kind of, I'm kicking myself just a bit, Ray. I should have, uh, I, I should have taken some time off from shooting bottle rockets and got a bid in on Keston Ura. 34 bucks. I'd say, I mean, you gotta do that. It's, uh, so that's a, it's a solid mood, and, and gosh, I didn't even think he'd be available in a league like this, but that's on me. Yeah, well, we so we were the team that, that got him for 34. What would you have bid? I'm curious, because Jeff and I went back on this, too. Uh, well, I, I could use offense. I probably would have been 50s, okay. low 50s on Kestner. I need offense, I, I and I don't necessarily need his position, and I don't think he'd go immediately into my lineup. And the other problem is that looking at my team, I got to say, Ray, one thing I've struggled with, and you may laugh and be like, why the hell? Kellenic, I'm still holding on to him. Dude, I, I got a league where I'm holding on to Sixto Sanchez, man. I know okay. what you're talking about. I get it. It's Yeah, I'm still in every, I really, I've had a lot of guys come off the IL, so I've kind of been fighting a roster crunch to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had David Dahl in the IL. He, he got activated. I had to dump him in that league. I had nowhere on my active roster really to put him, so. Right. I just threw him away. So he's back out there if anybody wants David Dahl. But I, I think the Kellenic thing, it was like, do I drop Kellenic for any hitter? And like, if it was Kestener or Kellenic, there's a part of me that says, I got to get numbers now. I'm not, I'm not doing that well in this league. I'm on the back half of the standings. I had a bit of a, a surge here in the last couple of weeks, but now I've fallen back again. So it's like, well, you need to get numbers now, Kyle. So I probably should have done it, um, but I did not make that move. Just yet. I, I'm still holding on to Kellenic. Well, and I will give, since I bashed Jeff for being completely wrong, which he was about Yermi Mercedes, I have to give him credit here. He was right about what we should have bid for Ura. Um, I, I asked him, like, what do you think? He said four bucks. I'm like, Jeff, come on, four bucks. <laughs> and so I went $34. I took my thoughts and I took his four bucks, 34 bucks. <laughs> if you had bid, we would have lost. Okay. Like you yeah. said, okay. Um, no one else put a bid on him. Yeah. Like, and, and I think it's the July 4th. Maybe it is, but we had one, two, I mean, we had 12 players awarded this week. It wasn't like no one made moves. I'm really shocked. We were talking about, you know, the 22 bucks on Ross. I'm surprised no one went higher than you know, zero on Kestanura. Got Barlow for people looking for saves. That's a pretty good ad too. Pretty good. Yep. Yeah. Barlow could get them there with uh, Kansas city. Uh, let's move on to our eighth spot in the order. It is our random reference. You go over to baseballreference.com and, Click on their uh, random player or random game or random team page. And we got a box score this uh, time around September 16th of 09. Uh, So late in the season, Houston at Cincinnati. Uh, Both teams were under 500 by this point. Uh, Cincinnati, a 6-5 winner. Francisco Cordero, his 37th save uh, there for, for Cincinnati. So a big season for him. Um, if, if you look at uh, some of the names here, 
the name I want to spotlight, Ray, is the leadoff hitter for Cincinnati on that day. A man who on that day uh, did have a home run off of Jorman Bazardo. <laughs> That's a great name. <laughs> Jorman Bazardo. Drew Stubbs, Ray, was leading yeah. off for Cincinnati. Couple of hits, couple of ribbies. He had the home run. Of course, he struck out because Drew Stubbs always struck out. This was his rookie year, though, Ray. You know, this, this was Drew Stubbs hype time. Um, and not to say he was a bad player, but it never really clicked. Although Drew Stubbs, Ray, may be like one of the final players ever to rack up three straight seasons of 30 or more steals. Like Drew Stubbs did that in 2010, 2011 and 2012. 30, 40, and 30, the guy could steal a base. Yeah, he could. And he was an intriguing player um, with holes, right? He's the, the quintessential power speed guy that you kind of looked at the overall game. You're like, eh. I mean, you know, when you when you talk about a three, it's stupid to say what you just said, but yeah, I mean, we don't see guys run anymore. Um, he averaged basically, what, 1535 for a three-year period of time? You know, scoring about 85 runs a year. He, I mean, he was a decade too early, Ray. Like, if, if he were playing baseball now, people would forgive the strikeouts like crazy. Yeah, it's true. They, they'd keep sending them out there. They'd play them. And, and you can tell, look, he played nine years in baseball. It, a lot of teams were constantly saying, I'll take a chance on Drew Stubbs. He played for seven teams mm-hmm. in nine years. And even at the end, Ray, teams were like, we'll take a shot. We'll take yeah. a shot. We'll take a shot on Drew Stubbs. Never clicked, but teams were always kind of sold on the talent maybe clicking for him. Yeah, and you know, when, when you when you were an athletic when you're an athletic specimen, I guess is the right way to say it. And you have the ability to play defense and obviously to make things happen offensively, teams are interested. You know, it's it's you know, it's the old, you know, guys age and they have old man skills, right? They take a walk, they hit a home run, they strike out. Okay. Those guys are around right? Lifers that have learned how to hit, learned how to, you know, pitches and mix. And, but when you have athleticism, which Stubbs inarguably had, you, you just bring that little extra bit, you know, your, your teams are willing to give you that chance just because, I mean, I think the Giants have a guy very similar, Austin Slater right now. It's like they, you know, we'll see periods of time where Slater's hitting 450 for two weeks and then he hits 180 for two weeks. And it's like, <laughs> is he good enough to play every day? We'll put him out there when we have injuries. Uh, but Stubbs is, is one of, like you said, one of the forgotten players, unless people were playing fantasy back then, the average baseball fan probably doesn't remember him. But, you know, when you go 1535 for a three-year period of time, we remember you in fantasy. I got to say, looking at this box score from uh, September of uh, 09, you, you could tell both teams were uh, nearing the finish line of, of under 500 seasons. Here, let's see, there were nine pitchers in that game. Oof. And I'm looking at the list, Ray. I think I can remember, like, three of these. We, we had Jorman Bazardo. Wilton Lopez. I do remember Wesley Wright. Um, Jeff Fulcino. Don't remember him. Justin Lair. Pedro Viola. I remember the other Viola. I don't remember Pedro. Uh, Jared Burton, I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, Francisco Cordero. And then Nick Massett, I kind of remember. So that, that, those were teams that were just, you know, quitting on the season. Francisco Cordero, by the way, he had uh, 37 saves that year. Talk about a guy from 2004 to 2011. The only year he didn't have 34 saves, he had 22 at one period. So that guy, you know, he's another one of those players that, you know, long-term, eh. But for a eight-year period of time, he averaged 38 saves a year. Mm-hmm. He was a really good reliever, and, and he was about the only name, like you said, of all those guys on the hill 
that had any lasting memory in anyone's <laughs> minds in baseball and in the fantasy game. That is our uh, random reference for this week, September 16th of 09. Reds topping the Astros six to five. We'll wrap it up, Ray, with our stamp of approval, something that has uh, kept you happy over the last week or so. What are you going with? I'm going with the TV show Chuck. Do you remember this, Kyle? Oh, my Kyle? gosh. Jeez. Do you remember it? Slightly. Okay. I, I, I think I have a better memory of Jorman Borzano than I, I do know, Chuck. That's, that's just disappointing. Um, Chuck was a TV show from 2007 to 2012. It was NBC. And it basically was the story of a, a nerd, of a computer geek, who ends up with a computer database of spy knowledge inserted into his brain accidentally. And so he becomes, <laughs> he becomes a CIA agent because he has all the answers to, you know, which guy's an undercover spy and all that kind of thing. So it's, it's a comedy. It's kind of a combination of, you know, a comedy and James Bond. It's all lighthearted and everything. And I've been watching it on DVD of late. And it, it's, again, it's lighthearted. You turn your brain off, you laugh a little bit. The TV show, Chuck. Yeah, they should have called it Ray. Yeah, I see what you did there, Kyle. Yeah, not not the spy stuff, but you know the baseball knowledge that was downloaded accidentally into your uh, cerebellum. That, the that's why part two. Yeah, I see what you're doing there. Okay, for my stamp of approval this weekend, I've got a lot of things that I could look at, Ray, because it's been seven days since we've been hanging out. So mm-hmm. you know, this stamp of approval is actually kind of difficult. Um, you know what? I kind of feel like a, t- a television show too because it allows Dad a little break. Um, I the show's not bad, but it's not me who enjoys it. It's, it's my little guy, uh, Daniel Tiger. Holy moly, this Daniel Tiger stuff. You ever heard of Daniel Tiger? No, who is Daniel Tiger? Daniel Tiger is it really a Tiger version of Mr. Rogers. <laughs> yeah. okay. that, sound <laughs> that sounds a little odd. Okay, yeah. No, but I, I, Daniel Tiger, what they did is when Fred Rogers passed away, you know, he still, you know, they still make money off Fred Rogers and everything. And what they kind of did is made a cartoon version of, Mr. Rogers and, and Daniel even kind of dresses. He's a kid, but he kind of dresses like like Mr. Rogers. And, you know, he's got his little play friends that he goes and hangs around with his little village and all that stuff. Uh, but the little guy will just sit and watch the same episode of Daniel Tiger, like back to back to back. Now, we don't do that very often, but this past week, um, you know, with the holiday and stuff, he, he, you know, at my parents' house and they don't know who the hell Daniel Tiger is, but they, they can dial it up on demand. And, and the little guy can watch Daniel's Tiger. And for me, it's a break. For me, Ray, it allows me to get the show together. Mm-hmm. Um, it allows me to, to get the live stream together. Daniel Tiger has saved my career, I think. Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> he's got a little sweater on. Yeah, he's got know? the red jacket just like Fred does. Here he is on the neighborhood train. I see a picture <laughs> yeah, of. Yeah, they got a trolley. Yeah, yeah. 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 Wow, this is, I'd never heard of this, but this looks like something that's uh, put on, on PBS. his shoes here. Yeah, it's on PBS here. So yeah, I'm gonna check this out, Kyle. Nice. <laughs> Ray, I think you'll make it half a minute, maybe. Okay, okay. Yeah. But hey, hey, a lot of the kids' shows are insufferable. That one's not too bad. Okay. Not terrible. Not too bad. Um, okay, that will do it for this edition of the uh Elite Baseball Podcast, or as we say, baseball lead. It's kind of stumbling around there. Uh, we hope everybody had a great holiday. Um, hope everybody enjoyed this podcast. Where can the people find you as we go into the second half of the year, Ray? They can find you and I on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio for now. The times may change as football gets going, but Friday nights from 10 to 12, Saturdays and Sundays from 3 to 5. Those are all Eastern times. They can find me on Wednesdays on Elite Sports with Jeff Manns. That's from uh, 4 to 6 Eastern Monday through Friday. I'm only on there on Wednesdays. 
Uh, they can also obviously find me on Twitter at baseball guys on Instagram at the Ray flowers uh, in the chat room all the time at, at uh, fantasyguru.com. And I'd encourage everyone to, uh, to get their football subscription. We got that product just ah. rocking and rolling right now. Yeah. Um, it's, it, you know, there's, a, there's still a discount. It's supposed to be gone. Jeff Mann's been talking about it on the radio show, but it's still there. Uh, so you can go to fantasyguru.com. You can click on the join now tab on the top right side. You can add the football product to the baseball product. If you don't have the baseball product, shame on you. You can add both or either or. Uh, and then there's also the, uh, if you want to play the DFS game, let's not forget that too, Kyle. We're still running our VIP summer special over at Elite Sports. So uh, check that out if people want to get involved in the DFS game. And somehow, some way, I'm kind of a part of a few of those things that Ray mentioned. So I don't have anything to recap. I, I do the show with Ray. I do the live stream. I do this with Ray. It, usually wherever you can find Ray, I'm kind of in the background somehow, some way, uh, helping Ray. I don't smart, help. Smart he helps me. move Kyle smart. Yeah. <laughs> Riding coattails, baby. I love it. Uh, that will do it for us on this edition of the podcast. Hopefully we did it for you. We will see you next week right here with another edition of the baseball elite podcast. Thank you.